0: Hey guys, just a heads up that this episode has a couple of, uh, little sound things. Um, we lost a couple seconds of audio a few times in this episode that we could not salvage. Um, it's not my bad editing skills, I promise you. I tried to make it sound as good as possible, but unfortunately they're there and you might notice them. Uh, otherwise this episode is pretty darn great though, so enjoy.
1: Fellow fiends, welcome to another Terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim.
0: Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are talking Revenge of the Remake.
2: That's right. This week, we are talking about 2010's Nightmare on Elm Street and 2009's Friday the 13th.
0: Believe it or not, I put these movies on our 31 Days of Halloween movie marathon, coinciding it with this week's episode. I had it listed as a double feature for Thursday night, and everyone was so mad. I'm very interested to see how uh, the response is for this episode, because a lot of people do not like these movies.
2: Yeah, and you know, I feel like we've been defending them for a long time mostly based on our memories and impressions of these films. So it's been a, this episode's been a revelation, in my opinion, of both of these movies. It was fun to revisit. I think I came out of it with a completely different opinion.
0: Oh, totally. Um, We hadn't watched these movies since they came out. We own both of them. We bought them on DVD. I don't think we've watched them since 2010.
2: I will say that I do occasionally put on the Friday the 13th,
0: well, I, I do occasionally not pay attention.
2: <laughs> I really only now that now that I've rewatched that entire movie, I think I only ever pay attention to the cold open. Like I watch the first 20 minutes intently and after that it's just background noise.
0: Yeah, and then there's um The Nightmare on Elm Street remake. So, we're going to talk about those movies at great length uh, later uh, on in uh, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> later on in the episode. Uh before we do that, we are going to get into what's keeping us creepy this week. Uh, We have been back from Fantastic Fest for almost two weeks now. We are finally getting cold-free. We have been sick for a really long time, and this was our first opportunity to record this.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything's bigger in Texas, including the colds, obviously. Oh, my God. I feel like it's probably just that it was the summertime, and everything's humid, and everything is And they're
0: germs that Canadians don't understand.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like, we couldn't get the handshake right, we couldn't figure shit out, and, like, with the bacteria, and, yeah, we're done. Dead. We heard everybody coughing and sniffling, and we laughed at them for days. And then it came for us.
0: Yeah, and I've been sick for a while, but you know, it's it's fine. We're better. Uh, we saw a ton of great movies. Fantastic Fest is a really cool, down to earth festival, and there's so many fun parties and events. Um, John, what was your favorites from the film festival?
2: You know, the unfortunate part about this segment is that we do not have enough time to talk about all the movies I want to talk
0: about. You get one, John. I basically get one, (laughs) and then
2: a few big ones that we need to talk about. If I could recommend one movie to you guys in particular, um, I would absolutely recommend One Cut of the Dead. You've maybe heard of it. It is a zombie movie that has a very long segment that is one cut, one take, A zombie film within a zombie film. It is so strange, so weird, so funny and surprising. And uh, if you've heard everybody say nothing but good things about it, it's because we all have nothing but good things to say about this movie. It is so great. And I don't say that about zombie movies ever.
0: My pick is The Guilty. It is a very quiet thriller. It's about a 911. Actually, he's not even a 911 operator. Let's not
2: get into details.
0: Let's just say he's. Who is. Uh, sitting in as a 911 operator. It all takes place on one night. It's one particular phone call. It's one setting. It's very, very good. The alternate so, title
2: was One Cop of the Dead.
0: Shut up. <laughs> 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 so tense. Uh, definitely one of my standouts from the festival.
2: It's very bad. I feel like there's just so many movies we're leaving out. But bigger movies. There was a secret screening. And surprise, surprise, it was The New Suspiria.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think Unpopular Opinion We're pretty... We're mostly eh about it. We didn't love it. Um, yeah. It does have some really cool things, which we'll talk about definitely as the wide release comes up. You can read our review at the website, as well as our review on all of the other Fantastic Fest films that we caught. There is a
1: ton of them. Oh,
2: so many good movies, too. Like, the curation of this festival is incredible. Like, you guys, if if you think that, like, oh, I haven't found any great festival movies, they were all a Fantastic Fest.
0: Yeah, so those reviews are at nofspodcast.com. Just hit that review bar, and all of them will pull up.
2: Uh, Obviously Halloween was playing, it was the opening film, we saw it at TIFF, uh, looking very much forward to seeing it again in the theater, but uh, Overlord was the other big world premiere at the festival, Uh, it's coming out this November, and it is as good as you hope it to be, like the trailer is so balls to the wall crazy, and this whole movie is exactly the same, Um, I can't wait for you guys to see this movie, I had a hell of a time watching it, the monsters are great, the... Like, fucking the sound design in this movie is incredible. Like, go see this movie in the theater solely because of all of the, the audio and visual. What am I trying to say?
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely
2: a theater movie. It's a lot of fun. It's not going to win an Oscar this year for best original screenplay. But if you're looking for a really cool World War Two monster movie, this is it.
0: Yeah, and we also caught Bad Times of the El Royale, which is Drew Goddard of Cabin in the Woods' new movie. It is being described as a Quentin Tarantino-esque film. It's an ensemble crime thriller set in the El Royale, which is a hotel um, that's past its heyday. And a bunch of stuff happens because everybody's lives entwine, and there's crime and guns and all kinds of fun stuff. And I really liked the film, probably more so than John. I'm
2: lukewarm on it. It was fine.
0: (laughs) I thought it was really great, but I'm not, not that I'm not a Quentin Tarantino fan, but I definitely like my Quentin Tarantino in smaller doses than you. And this was a smaller dose and it was very optimistic and fun and kind of upbeat and I was so about it.
2: Again, too many movies to talk about. If you want to see all of our reviews, they're at NOFS Podcast. But before we go, I have to give a huge set of thanks to some really cool fiends. New patrons, Alyssa, Nicholas, Fox, Brandon, Michelle, Jay, Oliver, RJ, Nicole, and Ellen. Now look, I know you guys are all brand new homeowners. you all bought new semi detached on Birch Street. Um... <laughs>
0: We're keeping that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, unfortunately, Elm Street, given its reputation, has become kind of a ghost town. And, you know, if I were Freddy, I'd get bored, too. I still think it was a little uh, out of to school for him to take the Elm Street and the Bird Street signs to swap the two, but unfortunately, that's what you're that's what you're saddled with. The home inspector couldn't account for it. The property manager couldn't account for it. And these, you, you, like, it's, it's not included in your condo fees, but it's definitely something you're gonna have to pay for with your lives.
0: Somebody's been watching a lot of HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys again for your support. Welcome to the Fiend Club. There's tons of bonus content waiting for you at patreon.com slash nightmare on Film Street. If you aren't supporting the show, head there and check out all of the awesome perks and fun happenings to all of our Patreon supporters. Thank, thank, thank you, you, you. We didn't talk about Halloween at all.
2: Oh yeah, by the way, if you are a patron and or if you want to become one before next week, we will have a brand new... Drive home from the drive-in of David Gordon Green's Halloween.
0: You're really selling it.
2: (laughs) I am really looking forward to seeing that movie again. I know we were, you know, uh, not blown away by it at TIFF. Um, but I'm excited to see it with packed house. I'm excited to see it again with all of my expectations and all of the hype just completely washed away and now I can just look at it for fun.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to hear how everybody feels about it, but not like initially. I want to hear everybody's opinions 1 month from now.
2: Yeah, you got to let that. I want
0: the like December Christmas break opinions when you're like full and tired. And yeah. You're like, "You know what? Yeah, I liked it." You know what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That those are the opinions I always want the. Now that I think about it, opinion. In fact, that should that should be a new segment on their website. We should revisit movies <laughs> that we love or hate. <laughs> yeah. That was good. <laughs> what the what?
0: But let's get into these remakes.
1: Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today is his birthday. <laughs>
0: Hey, I'm not from around here, but I'm looking for my sister. She's gone missing.
2: Have you seen her?
1: Jane missing. She's dead. People go missing around here, they're gone for good. Camp Crystal
2: Lake. So, Friday the 13th from 2009. Currently sitting at a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and a 2 out of 4 from Roger Ebert, who reviewed it himself.
0: How did you feel about this movie going in? Like, where did you think you were on the Friday the 13th remake camp?
2: The first time I saw it, or just before this, for this podcast?
0: In memory, like, what, where were you standing going into watching it again for this podcast?
2: Oh, I've always liked this movie. I have kind of made it a point to defend this movie for a long time, and I never really understood why people hated it so much. I guess... I can see where some of the complaints are, it, you know, it's maybe a little too clean for a Friday the 13th movie. It doesn't really feel like a summer camp so much just some kids at a, a cottage, but that doesn't really it doesn't really not sound like Friday the 13th. And I never really understood any of the issues people had with Jason. Um I've always liked this movie.
0: Yeah, I I don't necessarily think people are as negative about this movie as you think, though. Oh. Um Because anybody that I've talked to, at least now, maybe after so much time, people are kind of a little warmer to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's thanks in part to the Evil Dead remake, because that came out in between um, the Friday the 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Street remakes, and now... We had the Evil Dead oh, okay. remake, which everybody loved and kind of brought us on board to like, oh, remakes can exist and not tarnish what came before it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's opened up windows now. We have the Halloween movie and we have the, the Predator movie. There's movies coming out now that are respectful of their predecessors, but they're still bringing us something new. And I don't know if we would have had that if the without um, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead. I think it even retroactively is making people see these uh, early 2000s remakes with like different light. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? That Friday the 13th remake had some interesting ideas. And it's not it's not trampling on, you know, Jason's camp.
2: No, not at all. I, I think this one's actually really respectful of the franchise. It When I watch this, it looks like somebody who actually enjoys all those previous movies and wants to at least maybe give a nod to some of them. For anybody else who's in the theater that grew up watching them.
0: Yeah, and it definitely feels like it's very respectful of those movies, but it's trying to deliver that Friday the 13th feeling to a younger generation. Yeah. It's not for... People who fell in love with the films in the 80s, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where you get that cleaner tone and that cleaner look and those like weird early 2000s belly tops <laughs> is because it's it's for that younger generation to get their own slasher movie because mm-hmm. slashers had kind of been a little tired at that point and they we weren't really making them. So this movie gets to be a kind of run-of-the-mill slasher because it's... The first one for people born in 1993.
2: Yeah. I mean, if this is your first Friday the 13th movie, I don't think that's really the end of the world. Maybe it doesn't help that it's like a pure R-rated movie. So the only people that are going to see it are people that have some sort of background with the Friday the 13th franchise.
0: I don't know. I never had any issue seeing movies I wanted to see when I was a teenager. We're
2: in Canada. Like, if, if we were born in the States, we would not have seen this movie until we were at least 18.
0: Is Isn't is that true, though? Can't you just, like, get an older brother to take you? I mean, maybe, or a but friend's older brother? What if
2: you didn't have an older brother?
0: Then you sneak Or in. any friends. You buy tickets to Monsters, Inc., and then yeah. you go in Halloween. Like, that's what you do. I mean, we've
2: all done that, and we've all been kicked out of movies. So. I
0: have never been kicked out of a movie. I
2: got kicked out of Kill Bill.
0: You did? Yeah. <laughs> lame
2: <laughs> which is weird because did you kill- have your beard then <laughs> i did but it was detachable and i forgot it at home <laughs> no kill bill was like a hard r here and you absolutely could not see it unless you were 18 uh, it didn't matter if you were with somebody who was uh, and at the time i was i was 17 and a friend of mine was 18 didn't think it'd be a big deal uh, by the time the second one came around it was 18a and if you knew somebody who was 18 you could get in no problem but by that time I was also 18 so it was no big deal.
0: Wow. I saw the like later scream movies with my grandpa. I saw the scary movie movies with my grandpa. Those I think were a all lot of those ours.
2: were were they? I thought a lot of them were 14A, which is what the majority of R-rated films in the states become in Canada.
0: Oh, I don't know.
2: So as long as you're 14, you're good to go.
0: I was not 14. I was like 9 and 10.
2: I can only... Well, I mean, you're with your grandpa. It's no big deal. But uh, Yeah, like,
0: it, it, how are you going to say no to a grandpa bringing a girl to a horror movie? Like, it
2: really doesn't matter what the movie is. It, be like, yeah, sure, do they're it, They're cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I can only remember a small handful of movies that were like sor- solid R's. American Psycho was definitely one of them. But I'm pretty sure that this movie was also 18A. Probably due to how many boobs there are in it
0: there are so many boobs there's a lot
2: of boobs and like
0: boobs for not necessarily always horror reasons i mean normally you get boobs in movies because it's transgressions so people are being punished for their premarital sex and this film definitely touches on it especially in the first kind of segment Mm. uh but later on in the movie there's this really long sex scene and This sounds sounds really terrible to say, but nobody dies in it, and it felt like I was being gypped.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, they definitely... I guess they're sort of subverting that expectation, right? It's like having your character look in a mirror, look down, look back up, and, and there's, there's no nothing jump there. scare. And oh you're like, wow, oh. clever! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It sort of like lulls you into that, and I think that's something that they try and do a bunch in these Platinum Dune remakes. That they have all of those stereotypical moments and they show them to you, but you don't get the scare or the kill that you're expecting to happen. And you're right, in that big long sex scene, there's plenty of opportunity for them to die. And it just doesn't come. Like, Jason's even looking at them, and he's just like, oh, damn it, they're having sex. They know how much I hate that. <laughs> and instead, he goes off and kills somebody else. And we keep cutting back to this couple. And I wonder if it's because we have the killer cut. I, I, I assume it has more footage. Like, the DVD leads me to believe that we are watching a extended cut of the film.
0: But it's also one of those early DVDs, so you don't really have any options or... um. Quality. The quality of that DVD was not great. <laughs>
2: no, not really at all. Um, uh, we're getting so spoiled now, right? Uh, like, soon enough, We're going to have 4K and 8K, and the DVDs are just going to continue to look worse and worse. But we're always going to have our VHS. What's up with that?
0: So I have to say something, though, because I'm not one of those, like, Blu-ray elitists. I do not opt for Blu-rays over DVDs because I simply do not care. Mm. Uh, I wear glasses, and I don't have (laughs) 20-20 vision. So, like, as long as I can read the captions when I want to read captions the movie isn't good enough quality for me. Uh but this one was kind of funny because like it was like the film overlay wasn't lined up perfectly. So there was like especially with the warning at the very beginning, there was this weird blur on it and I was like, this is not my eyes. This is this D V D
2: Yeah it's such a it, it's I'm sure we got it for five dollars at a Walmart bin or oh, something. Oh
0: probably. Oh probably. But it was also an early DVD, right? Because it it doesn't have any fun features and all the trailers were in a weird aspect ratio. Like, are you guys new? What are these trailers doing this small?
2: Well, to to really date this DVD we own, at the top it says widescreen edition. So this was back <laughs> when you had a choice between widescreen <laughs> and the proper letterboxed format. Gross.
0: I still I don't care.
2: You would watch the letterboxed version on a widescreen TV. Yeah. If you had the choice of watching it in widescreen. Yes. Why? because
0: I really love that shitty pan that they have to do when there are scenes that don't work in full screen you know where they have to f- manually pan the footage
2: no oh, I know I'm just not computer sta- I'm pan not making eye contact pan, with pan right computer
0: now. please now must see both characters in set
2: <laughs> all right well uh, <laughs> talking about the film I say this a lot about a lot of movies. But I love the cold open in this movie. I actually think it's probably one of the best openings in the franchise. I'm going to say it. I don't care. I, I Yes, I absolutely love the opening of A New Beginning. I think it's so, so good. I love the cold opens in, like, Jason Lives I think has a great one. It's, like, such a fun way to start the movie. But the opening of the 2009 remake is in itself a full movie. Like, we we get an entire Friday the 13th film – in 17 minutes
0: so and that that's i i kind of think it's almost too long to call it the cold open i would say your first act is a movie that's a good point i mean you're right because it is still the cold open the title comes up after mm-hmm. but you're so lulled into these characters and i think that's where it really succeeds is that we know the formula mm-hmm. so we already start putting our um, tropes on the characters that were given mm-hmm. on these teenagers. We already know our final girl. We know our this. We know our jock. We, yeah, we've we, got our we know our sympathetic
2: boyfriend, and we've got the couple who's definitely gonna die having sex in a tent.
0: Yeah, and we know the we know the order too, and. They start dying too quickly. like, And even Very your head, funny. you're like, w- where?
2: Whoa, did we just lose three people? Like, we're- I haven't we even seen a title card yet. Well,
0: and then you get kind of worried. You're like, oh, I don't want him chasing the final girl around for an hour and 45 minutes. I'm going to be tired. It, and, and it's it's just so smart that it subverts what you know is going to happen. It does what you know is going to happen. But the real trick is that it does it so fast that once everybody's dead, the movie starts.
2: Yeah.
0: And those aren't even your characters. Mm -hmm. So you invested emotion into them because you know you're supposed to, and you're doing your uh, due diligence as an audience member to um, fall for those characters. Yeah, they're not your characters. Not at all.
2: And uh, you know, maybe part of the problem with the movie is that some of the deaths at the beginning are the best in the movie. Like I, 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 I wouldn't say that anybody else. In the rest of the film that gets killed by Jason is nearly as good as what we see in the opening. Uh, like the, the girl that's put in the sleeping bag and put over the fire. The, the kid who gets his foot caught in the bear trap when right before Jason puts a machete down his face. And especially the boyfriend who gets pulled down through the floorboards in Jason's cabin. Oh, man. it's one of my, That's one of my favorite kills of the entire franchise. Hands down.
0: Yeah, and this film succeeds to be, like, really gory in that 2008 way where it it doesn't even shock you because it's so loud. What do you mean? Like, it's just, I don't know how to say it's clean when there's, like, tons of blood everywhere, but it's, um, there's, like, an action overlay on top of all the horror.
2: Okay, I see what you're saying. It's got that Michael Bay effect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like a robot did it. Yeah. (laughs) Like a
2: transformer. Of course, we've got the brother who's from Supernatural. The worst hair in the world. I can't not stare at his hair this entire movie. He's got, like, this wingtip thing happening because he rides a motorcycle, you know. He's got that that windswept hair. He's got that good
0: bad boy thing going on. That good bad boy. And also, it was the hair of the time. Um, What I really, really don't like, though, is the super cool this is my family's cabin don't touch the coffee table boyfriend
2: the group or, needs a Chad,
0: or is he a boyfriend i don't is he her boyfriend because he's really possessive and mean to her but then she also just sounds dic- like a shitty boyfriend yeah but then she also just dicks off and is like i'm gonna help him find a sister so fuck you and then he's like well fuck you i'm gonna sleep with your friend yeah in in within the span of an hour or two it's just like this is a dysfunctional marriage
2: and the worst part is, like, that's that big sex scene that we're talking about. She comes pounding on the door, not necessarily because she wants them to stop, but because, hey, we're all in trouble and we need your help.
0: There's a murderer outside and they're like, what's that? Like, yeah. And then they just start banging harder and it's just like, you're really disrespectful. You have been caught if.
2: Caught if. Well, I, I guess they're jerks and it's making it better, but whatever.
0: Why is your friend a jerk? Alcohol? You need better friends.
2: Well, yeah. I mean,
0: I guess she has to now because they're all dead. How do any of these oh, wait, people she's... get along? Mm. <laughs> they
2: don't, none of them look like they would even know each other. We've got like this this dumbass stoner kid who's hanging out with the super cool rich guy who's got a cottage that he doesn't want anybody to touch.
0: And he's not even nice to them.
2: No one. He's nice to no one. Yeah,
0: he's not even nice to the girl he's sleeping with. Until he's, like, sleeping with her, and then he's like, I like your tits. But other than that, he's pretty mean to everyone.
2: Which I think is why it's such a shitty move that he doesn't die while they're having sex. Because, like he's, like, he's reached the peak of just absolute asshole, and he gets away with it yeah, for a little while.
0: but there is a really rewarding scene, so after um, Jason is definitely inside the house, or, like, in around the windows the girl that, that he sleeps with is murdered and he gets his dad's gun at some point hears a sound shoots through the bathroom door to which she is impaled and hanging yeah shoots through her and then when he opens the bathroom door she's dead of maybe a bullet wound yeah i,
2: I think in his mind he thinks he killed her
0: yeah and he closes the door he's like She's dead. He got to her.
2: Yeah, we got to go. <laughs> no one goes through that door.
0: Yeah, I love that. I know, I know he didn't kill her, but the fact that he was just so gun happy there and he realizes he actually shot through her.
2: You know, he shoots at everything, too. He is the absolute wrong person to have a gun. No,
0: he should not be the leader of the pack. He is the loose cannon of the group.
2: Mm-hmm. Of course, it is pretty great when uh, I think he's he's trying to get away in his car and Jason stops him and he screams like a little girl. (laughs) It's pretty great. And I mean, like his his death is pretty good. He thinks he's he's fighting off Jason. He's getting pretty close to escaping. Uh, And Jason impales him on the back of a tow truck.
0: Yeah, and then the car drives away. So it's like he gets out, but he's dead already.
2: And oh, I completely forgot. His death is so brutal before he gets impaled because Jason puts his machete through him and then lifts him up with the machete and just starts wiggling him around. So that way the machete, yeah, (laughs) It's it's pretty great. Gross. That's another good kill. Actually, goddamn, this movie's got good kills. I love the Jason in this movie. He's he's huge and he is that human type Jason. Like, yes, he's got like superhuman type strength uh, and he seems to be unstoppable. But he's just a man. He's just a a boy who grew up in the woods by himself and I guess has been working out. Like, how do you get to be the size of a barn? Lifting
0: canoes. Oh. <laughs>
2: I guess he built his own bunker.
0: Yeah, this is a really cool Jason, and it definitely explores the side of the franchise that the original uh, thread doesn't really get to explore because they kind of set up that Jason is this supernatural thing from the get-go. You really think that they do that in the first three? Well, in the first movie, he like enrobes the final girl as this mm. zombie boy. Good point. When he should be an adult at that point. So you're already seeing Jason as a bit of a supernatural being, even if you're right, in the f- in the couple first few sequels, he's mostly man. Um, but this one, he is actually all man. He survived and has been living in the woods and has this crazy ass setup. And he's almost like a uh, feral.
2: Mm-hmm. And the whole town seems to know about him. Nobody wants to help him. Uh, I wonder how long they've known about him, right? Because
0: it's kind of cropsy esque
2: Yeah, like he comes into town, he steals some cans of food, maybe some kerosene, um, but he doesn't hurt anybody unless they get in his way or they steal his weed. Whose weed is that, by the way? I don't know. Because somebody's planted it. Um, They're definitely dead. And when that kid finds it, I don't think Jason necessarily comes to kill him because the kid's stealing the weed.
0: No, I think it's like a territorial thing.
2: Yeah, it's like you, you came into my land. But I wonder if he's also coming back because somebody's been stealing kerosene from that, that property that the kid's on. I wonder if it's just that he happened to be there when Jason came by to steal more kerosene. Mm. And if he hadn't have been hanging out smoking weed, licking porn. Um he's so gross, um, uh, then maybe he would have lived. That that kill is, is kind of strange to me, because I don't really know why Jason shows up, but it does give him an excuse to have a hockey mask. And I'll argue more of an excuse than having a hockey mask in Friday the 13th Part 3. He's got no reason to grab that hockey mask from Shelly in, in Part 3. Really no reason at all.
0: Yeah, there's something really interesting about the mask that doesn't work in the original franchise that works in this franchise because, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work in the original franchise. I think it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. But on a thematic level, this one introduces the idea of shame. The fact that Jason Voorhees is ashamed of his face, why else would you wear a mask Mm -hmm. if you're a human being who's murdering people? You put on a mask. It's almost like you're doing them a favor before you murder them, that they don't have to see your face.
2: Yeah, and he only grabs it because his uh, bandage mask is is torn off uh, while he's he's killing this kid in the attic. Which is something I don't think anybody like really appreciates about this movie. We get two Jasons. We get like Baghead Jason. A cool ass looking Baghead Jason. Like Invisible Man type level Jason. <laughs> and then like a cool ass hockey mask Jason.
0: Yeah, I mean the hockey mask is a little worn and weathered in a movie style way. And doesn't look like a mask you'd find in the attic. But you know what? It looks pretty cool.
2: I mean everything in that attic looks like it's been up there for a hundred years or so.
0: Yeah, you're right. It that attic is Attica's
2: essentially an antique shop that hasn't been open for business. Yet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the, the shame thing. Like, That's a good point. That is a really interesting vulnerability that you'd think would would alter your perception of Jason. But I think for the, the Jason that they made for this film, it it look, it's so, such an interesting aspect.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Unfortunately, the second half of this movie isn't nearly as interesting as anything we've talked about. It's really long.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you do kind of follow that that these two people can't be injured because they're our protagonist kind of thing. But they, they do um, they do subvert that, too, because our final girl, or who we think is our final girl, yeah. does meet her end by yeah. Jason. And the guy, Smallville's
2: uh,
0: sister... <laughs> Supernatural sister. sister. <laughs> oh, isn't he from Smallville? No, he is from Supernatural. His sister is being held captive by Jason because she reminds him of his mother.
2: Which is great. Um, She sort of realizes that at some point and she's able to get his attention. Like when she finally uses his name, it really startles him. Yeah,
0: I'm a little sad that they didn't use the sweater in this one and it was a locket because I think there's something about the sweater that's so um, just memorable and cool. Mm -hmm. And mother's voice is always really cool like the jason what are you doing uh i wanted a little more of that but the fact that they kept that kind of connection between the two of them mm-hmm. was a really smart idea
2: yeah I, I unfortunately i don't know that the ending has really earned too much i'm talking about like that the final moments we you know they're, they're battling jason things don't look so great they wrap a chain around his neck throw it into a wood chipper and He's, he's able to fight it off just long enough to have the back of his head clawed open.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, like the machine sort of shorts out before it has the chance to, to pull his entire body in. But it's enough to kill him. Finger quotes here. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote kill him. Um and then
0: they roll him into the lake. Yeah. And at this point, it's like, he's a human who's killed a bunch of humans. Like, maybe call the police and don't touch the crime scene. Yeah,
2: why are you trying to cover up a murder that is, is definitely a self-defense? self-defense murder. Yeah, but you, by, by taking that body down to the lake and dumping it, you're immediately making it look like you killed everybody, including that guy.
0: Yeah, and you're like, we're going to pin it on this guy, but we're going to hide the body so nobody gets the evidence. Like... Just leave things and drive into town. It's yeah. time to drive into town.
2: <laughs> it does give you the chance to see Jason jump up out of the water, through the dock at her, which is cool. Yeah, that's
0: a great ending. But yeah. why are they fucking pouring him into the lake? Like we know that ends up bad for everyone. You have just congratulations, you have just turned him into the zombie he wasn't.
2: That's a good point.
0: Why does everybody keep trying to drown Jason? I don't know. Maybe it was the murders. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He really didn't deserve any of this. I guess there were the murders, but
0: eh. Are there any scenes that we missed out on that you wanted to talk about?
2: Uh, I would think the, the scene on the boat is, is another really cool scene. One, because he puts an arrow through that kid's head. Oh, yeah, that's a nice boat. surprise. Yeah, that's really good. It's a callback to a great kill that everybody loves. Uh, but we also have a girl who's stuck out on the water. She's been hit in the head by the boat because she got run over a little bit. Avoided that propeller a uh, little Over weapon. a
0: little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh,
2: j- just enough to be uh, ready for a hospital visit, but she can't get out of the lake because Jason's standing at the shore with a machete. And that's great because she has, she has no idea what the fuck's happening.
0: Yeah, but he's fucking spooky so like
2: yeah you imagine turn around seeing that shit
0: yeah Ah. and she just has to tread water and you're right and she's just injured so there's something really um, foreboding about that scene
2: yeah but when he finally gets her too because she's hidden under the dock to try and she's hidden under the dock to try and get away from him he slams that machete down through the dock into her head and it's it's a small little detail and unfortunately i think they only do this so that way we can see her naked one more time i know where like he pulls the machete up and like her whole body comes with it and gets uh,
0: like stuck yeah
2: yeah like he has to use the bottom of the deck to sort of get it to, to get the machete out, it looks great, looks awesome. Her eyes go like dead immediately in this really interesting way. Uh, fuck, we're kind of fucked up. Uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, it's probably just to see her naked again, which sucks. There is a story that I've always heard that Michael Bay walked out of the premiere of this movie because it was too uh, gratuitous with its uh, sexual content, and that's always sounded hilarious to me because it's Michael Bay, but. I could see how that's 100% true. This movie is a little over the top. Uh, like from moment one, we have this this couple behind her friend's back. throwing rubbing oil all over herself. And then we watch them have sex in the tent a bunch. There's that couple that has sex for literally half an hour in the movie.
0: Yeah, and I want to believe that it's an intentional kind of nod to how slashers are. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't feel ironic all the time.
2: No. It Which, kind of feels like an excuse to have boobs.
0: Yeah, and you want it to feel ironic, especially if you're trying to do something um, a little meta.
2: Yeah, it doesn't come off as, as like a horror trope. It just comes off as gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Rewatching it this time, I definitely don't think I liked it as much as I remember liking it. And I think that's just because the second half is is quite a bit slower. But I still think it's a, it's a really good remake. Probably one of the better ones that uh, that Platinum Dunes did. Yeah. Um, we're about to talk about one that's uh, that I also have feelings about. Uh, but for Friday the 13th, I think I'm going to give it a two out of four Eberts.
0: Cool. I'm going to go two and a half out of four Eberts. Uh, I thought it was really fun.
2: Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. Uh-huh.
1: Five, six, grab, and six, seven, eight, and stay in. Never sleep again. You have nothing to worry about. This won't hurt one little bit.
2: So Nightmare on Elm Street is currently sitting at a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and a 1 out of 4 from Roger Ebert.
0: So we're in a weird position with this movie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you the same question I did for Friday the 13th. Okay. How did you feel about this movie going into it?
2: Yeah, having seen this movie before and spent plenty of time defending it... I was excited to watch it again. I was like, I remember liking this movie a lot. Like, yes. No, of course, nothing like the original. It's never going to be as good as the original. But I didn't think it deserved all of the complaints that it received.
0: I was kind of in the same boat. I remember it taking the Freddy character to a different, slightly darker way, which I know a lot of people found as the point of contention with this movie. But it was a change that I liked, and mm-hmm. I think it was fresh, and it made something very haunting about this kind of new Freddy experience. But upon rewatching the film, yeah. I think I need to readjust what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And not, re- not necessarily in regards to um, the rapey versus murder switch, but just the execution of the film overall.
2: I'm with you. Um. Yeah. It, everything changed once we press play on that shitty DVD. It.
0: Yeah. Also, another really cheap shitty DVD copy. Um. It didn't hold up for me, and no. I'm really sad because we've defended it for a really long time.
2: Yeah, but I. I, I think our defense has always been like, "Hey, look. I know. Not good." Not awful. Like, I think we do. A, we did a good job of saying, like, oh, it's not as bad as you say it is. And I I will at least say the, the one thing we could probably continue to defend is that it had some good ideas.
0: It does have some good ideas, but it's kind of... The
2: presentation of those ideas is really where it falls apart.
0: Yeah, so this Freddy Krueger is played by what's his name
2: jackie earl haley
0: jackie earl haley who has a great freddie voice Mm -hmm. i love his freddie voice unfortunately the design of freddie i don't love i like the idea of making him classic burn scars versus the kind of cartoonized version of the traditional nightmare on elm street series but They obscured his nose and his mouth a little too much. So from head on, he's got like a dinosaur look. (laughs) But also when they do close-ups of his mouth when he's saying things, I don't think his lips are able to close fully. And he's forming words that need his lips to close fully.
2: Well, I think what's happened is that his skin has sort of melted and fused together. I'm sure they looked at actual burn victims... Uh, for inspiration in the special effects of this, right? Like the like the the whole idea is to me is that parts of his skin have fused together from the fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So like yeah, he he can't close his mouth all the way. Or but he's making
0: mouth. M's that that need <laughs> M's. You need to close saying. your lips, and they would they would shoot the close up of it, and his mouth wouldn't close. Okay. So it doesn't look like he's even saying the words he's saying. And I understand he's a supernatural being, but any close up scene where he was saying something creepy didn't sound like he was saying it and it didn't really resonate with me because his his mouth wasn't able to form the words he was making
2: yeah and i mean his dialogue in this movie is really not great there's there's a few great moments of dialogue but for the most part it's just him laughing yeah
0: <laughs> and it no i think the problem too is that this freddie's kind of like all bark, no bite. So when he gets the opportunity to bite, all he's got are these one-liners that are really only well-executed from Robert England's mouth.
2: And most of them are taken directly from Robert England's mouth. Yeah,
0: and those one-liners belong to the original franchise's Freddy. The, the, The Freddy they've created in this film shouldn't be so sassy and quirky and comedic. Mm-hmm. This Freddy is a pervert. Yeah. And he's a pervert that's been made evil
2: eviler. I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, it's so hard to describe. So, um by the, the what the parents did to him. And so he he was this like shy, quiet outspoken character when he was alive still a pervert mm-hmm. but when he dies he, sh- he shouldn't now become this like egotistical comedian that's not who he was
2: yeah i think the robert england freddy really took pleasure in what he was doing and killing kids he was the springwood slasher and he loved it and then he died and he had the opportunity to continue those killings
0: and be a showman
2: yeah and like in a way that he could have never done in his his original form as Mm -hmm. a person right this guy is just out for revenge like it's like you ruined my life you killed me this is your comeuppance
0: yeah like you think i damaged your kids then watch me damage them now
2: yeah well i mean and the other thing is that they spend a lot of the movie doing a mystery
0: search yeah well yeah (laughs) mystery
2: search and also we are supposed to assume He didn't actually do it. Like, this is a satanic panic situation where uh, the parents have either made their kids... Admit that
0: he did these things to them at their preschool. That
2: he maybe didn't do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, either they're elaborating on just little details the kids are giving, or they've put words in their mouths, like, from... Past life regression therapy, yeah, kind of garbage from both, that time era.
0: Both outcomes would have been great if mm-hmm. he hadn't have done it. You would have had this really interesting Freddy that was made evil by yeah. the acts of the parents. I love that idea. Uh, and then the what they went with is that oh yeah, he actually did it, and he's he's bad through and through, and now he's worse. Mm-hmm. And I like that too. I like that he. They took Freddy to this almost, like, unforgiven place. But that's why the tone doesn't work. He yeah. doesn't get to be a funny Freddy, and he doesn't get to be this, like, quirky... Because immediately, as soon as you involve, like, ch- child assault, we're not on his side. He's no. not our anti-hero. He's not the bad guy that we love to hate or hate to love. Like, we just don't like him anymore. Which
2: is so interesting about the original Nightmare on Elm Streets. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he killed a bunch of kids, but he didn't touch them. You know? <laughs> like,
0: I mean, I always kind of secretly assumed that Freddy was into kids.
2: I think that was the plan.
0: And and I think that was the inspiration behind yeah. Freddy Krueger. Um, It was never explicitly like used in the franchise, but I mean, we all kind of know that Freddy's into ch- children. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's into them in a way that's not okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, murdering them, I guess. Yeah, that's also not okay. <laughs> It's, it is crazy when you're like, yeah, he murders the children, but he does not rape the children. and But yeah, when he's like got um, Nancy, new Nancy, yeah. in the bed and he's got the like baby doll dress on her and he's touching her with his claw and he's saying all these like supposed to play for yucks lines.
1: It, it how do you laugh at that? I'm
0: really uncomfortable and I want it to stop. And yeah. it also shows that he doesn't have the bite, like I was saying, because that scene is really long because he's just taunting her and stuff. And it's like, Freddie, just kill her if you're gonna kill her.
2: Yeah. Or just do something. Because well, like his uh, baby's we got all the Well no, but <laughs> I I mean stop talking. Uh either either we need her to be rescued sooner or you need to start like cutting off her finger. Like just like Little bit at a time, right? Yeah,
0: he's too taunting, and it, it's just almost like waiting. Like, we're waiting for the story to advance while he's got her captive, and it it just shows that he's not fully articulated.
2: Yeah, it makes for a much darker uh, I'm-your-boyfriend-now Nancy line.
0: That I'm-your-boyfriend-now line really worked, but yeah. that was the only thing that worked in that scene.
2: Agreed. It's crazy. And you know what really uh, bugged me? Up? There's, there's, I mean... <laughs> Having rewatched it, now, there's a lot that bugs me about this movie, but just kind of, like, focusing on whether or not he did it or if he was innocent and yada yada. When they find his bedroom in the bottom of that elementary school, they still think he didn't do it. They're still, like, oh, this is where he lived and he was just a guy. On his desk are these claws that he's been fashioning. I don't believe that that quiet teacher... Who is sort of like your invisible pedophile that goes by completely unnoticed. He's the
0: maintenance guy, but yes.
2: (laughs) Maintenance guy, I'm sorry. Um,
0: Those are for hedges.
2: Is that the excuse?
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're hedge hands. They look...
2: (laughs) You know, there was this one time uh, where I saw a hairdresser who had fashioned some sort of like sharp claws onto his hands, and that's how he was cutting hair was just kind of like running his fingers through people's hair and then just like slicing it like where it needed to finish. No, whatever. So I'm sure somebody out there around the 80s was probably trying to sell a hedge trimmer that you could just swipe at with your hands. It was Tim Burton. It was Tim <laughs> Burton. Good point. I understand how they would still think he's innocent when they find the knives on his table.
0: And the soiled mattress.
2: Well, there's that that I mean,
0: gross basement mattress. Well, also, I mean,
2: they all they also find like his rape room.
0: Well, is there no missing persons report? Like, I, I I assume the parents didn't say like, oh, this guy was diddling our kids and we murdered him. Yeah. But he goes missing. Why was that school not emptied? Why is why is that stuff not bagged in evidence?
2: And it's not like the police knew. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, Well, this is that pedophile guy. Better left un. Um, you know, better swept under the rug. Yeah. The the kids. Nobody. Other than the parents, nobody ever knows what this guy has done. Um, As far as anybody's concerned, he just disappeared one day, right? Exactly. So somebody should have looked for him, which is, I... I can understand why maybe they wanted to make Nancy's mom a single mom and she doesn't have a dad. But in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, John Saxon is a police officer, and that's how they got away with it. Mm-hmm. Because he's like the sheriff. He's the chief of police, and he made sure that nobody ever questioned what happened to Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Because who's going to care about some pedophile child killer? It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter. But in this movie, they, they just kill a guy. They get away with it. Nobody asks questions, and they
0: the, they make this murder pact, and then they keep all the fucking evidence. Like, they all the parents have their own evidence, like, yeah. stuffed in corners and boxes and, and Sure, they've, they've
2: removed all those photos from their family albums, but it's up in the attic for anybody to find. Yeah. Jeez, have you never seen a Just Netflix documentary? Who either.
0: keeps evidence of the murder? <laughs>
2: Any evidence. I don't understand why they didn't burn the elementary school down.
0: I know. Mistakes made. Like,
2: whether or not the maintenance guy's there anymore, you probably don't want your kids going there because it's just a bunch of bad juju.
0: Yeah. And it's it, it's crazy that none of these kids remember. But whatever. I guess trauma.
2: Also, They're all banking
0: on that trauma, just erasing their memories.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you know what? Kids, you know, kids are resilient. They'll, they'll bounce back from this. They'll <laughs> just forget about it entirely.
0: Yeah. You were actually
2: born as a six-year-old boy, Timmy. Nothing ever happened between the ages of zero and six.
0: I do also have to say that I don't love Nancy in this one. I I like Rooney Mara. I think she's a really great actress, especially when she's well cast in her roles. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I love this Nancy. Mm -hmm. She's resourceful and inquisitive and a little headstrong and almost a little bratty in the original one, Oh, okay because i was like
2: is she resourceful
0: in she's, this um she's in way over her head this one comes off as like quiet and brooding and i don't really care about her as much
2: and then just immediately at the end when it's convenient like no no i'm gonna fight him like you have no plan you have nothing yeah going for you you're, it- you're
0: kind of quiet and just like walking through this whole movie
2: yeah like I'm gonna make it out of this one like why because it's a movie and I'm the last girl left like at least Heather Langenkamp goes I cannot fight this guy it's an unfair match I'm gonna rig up the entire house because I can't fight him with my own two hands like, she just sets a bunch of booby traps uh, to try and weaken him and kill him.
0: Yeah, and I what's interesting about Nancy in the first one is, like, once she's put in this situation, like, her character has no choice but to fight him because that's who she is. Mm. And you know that about her. Like, you just understand that this Nancy, the original Nancy, is this headstrong, like, she's going to do it.
2: I'm just really into I'm survival, just, I, <laughs> I guess. I'm just
0: really into <laughs> survival. Um, but, th- like... The Rooney Mara Nancy is just this like sad tortured artist who yep. um can't fall asleep yeah and that's kind of it. So I I'm not and I her hair's too perfect and it's not frizzy and I'm like not about it. But <laughs> um it's
2: 2010 Kim no one's got frizzy hair.
0: Yeah.
2: Freddie too is apparently trying to get them to remember.
0: Yeah, so there's there's this weird kind of like plot that they are, the characters themselves are forcing on us that I yeah. don't necessarily get from the story itself. And they're like, this is why he's been leading us here. And it's like, has he? Because he's been killing all your friends. Like, why is he just leading the two of you there? Everybody that's, else is dead.
2: That's the weird part. Like they they find a blog of some kid who is also having these nightmares. Like another kid from the preschool who's moved on to go somewhere else. He, in his nightmares, is explaining that it's like Freddy is corralling him into this school and he's got to investigate the school, but he doesn't know why he's there. Then he gets killed on screen and I guess Freddy uploads the video. Um, But if he wants them to remember... He kills so many of them before they figure it out. Like literally only Nancy and whatever the boy's name is, the our new Johnny Depp, like whatever. Those two characters are the only two that actually figure any of it out.
0: Yeah. And
2: I- in this one, rather than fear being what gives him power, it's their memories of him, which I guess you could say is fear because they're, they have all these memories of their trauma and being abused by him. But it doesn't make sense. Like he should not have... Any He should not have enough power to attack them now because he hasn't gained any from the other kids that he's killed.
0: Yeah, he he ignores the rules a little bit because they want to pay like homages to the first film. So at one point, Nancy's so tired in this one when they're running through the halls to get to somewhere. Mm. She sees her friend in the body bag scene, which looks OK. It looks cool. I'm yeah. glad they put it in. You can't ignore that scene. Uh, but she's not asleep. No. And the guy just like shuffs it off as saying like, oh, you're having micro naps. Like micro naps are not adult. a thing. I would be a much happier person if they were.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know, though. Like, I really like that convenience store scene. I like the idea of the micro naps where, like, you think you're awake, but you're actually sleeping is a cool addition to the movie because you got to do something more with it, I think.
0: Well, the whole movie, all the the entire franchise is played on that, like, oh, you think you're still asleep and you walk through a regular area and oh, no, it's Fre- you're in Freddy's land.
2: But it's not like she falls asleep on the floor in the convenience store for half a second. Like, she's still her body is moving backwards, but her brain is asleep is, is the idea. Yeah. Like, she's gone into rest. Mode, I think it's a great scene where he's uh, he's swiping at the boiler room pipes, but then he's like knocking stuff off the shelves. Yeah. Like, it looks great. Uh, I also really like watching that scene from the perspective of the pharmacist. Because in his mind, two drug addicts came into his store, started screaming, one girl cut herself because I guess she thought she'd get medication. And then they just stole bandages from the shelf and ran out the store. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, should we call security? Like, well, they are gone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what danger? We're not going to refill his prescription. What danger is there?
0: Yeah, they have his full name too. So <laughs>
2: that kid does no does not help at all trying to get that prescription refilled. He hasn't been asleep for days. He's sniffling. He's angry, and he needs his uppers now. Who's gonna say yes to that? Yeah. Kid? Even like, if he had refills get out of the left, store. yeah. <laughs> not gonna happen, bud.
0: Uh, a few things I did like though, there are some really cool moments with, in homages when Nancy's running away from Freddie and the ground turns into like liquid goo. Yeah. In kind of the um like blood, serial yeah. steps of the first film. Yeah. We get that where the hallway turns completely to liquid and she's engulfed in it and she almost drowns in it. I think it's blood, but yeah, it that. looks really good. And yeah. I and I like that they they went there with that and they didn't necessarily do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Also the scene where she actually I think that's the same scene where the ceiling implodes from above.
2: Yeah, because she's fallen. She has drowned in that blood,
0: and she and it's almost like it explodes out into her bedroom, yeah, uh, which it, it doesn't work out for the shape of the house or what whatever, but I mean, dream logic, it's fine. Yeah. Everything is dream logic in this, but when she explodes out of it, it's almost like it was recorded backwards. So when she comes out, she's not covered in blood at all. Mm-hmm. and she's like flip spinning on the ceiling and then she lands in the bed. Mm-hmm. It looked really cool with the blood explosion thing. It was a it was a little like impossibly. Done. It was a little CGI because there's no other way you could have done it. Yeah. Um. But I still really liked it.
2: It looked alright. Yeah. It yeah. looked like it looked like liquid in space.
0: It was cool. It was it was in it was a surprise. Is why I liked it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it, it kind of looks similar to the the blood explosion from Johnny Depp's bed in the original. It's what made me think. It, it's what it made me think of. But it, it's different enough that it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I would say. Th- Some of the, uh, this movie has too many homages to the original and they don't really work all that well. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily love the bathtub sequence in this movie.
0: No, because it doesn't. It doesn't do the cool stuff that the original one does, and if it did, it would have been too much.
2: I would have been happy with that scene in the trailer and not in the movie. And not
0: in the movie. Yeah. That would have been cool. That would have like been all right. if the teaser trailer was just that scene of his claw coming up and then yeah. going down when the mum knocks on the door, that would have been a really awesome teaser trailer. Yeah. Don't need it in the movie.
2: Exactly. I, like, that's kind of what people want to see in a teaser trailer. They want to know that it's at least in the same vein as the one I already like. Um, but show me something new when I finally sit down to watch it. And Tina's death is nothing close to the original at all
0: no i mean they do all the things that they're supposed to do she's on the ceiling whatever but it's too it looks, fast and it's yep it's not impactful
2: no it, there, there, there's something about i mean it's not that there's something like we all know exactly why that original death is so scary she's being dragged across the wall it's not that she's just being tossed around the room from side to side like he's he's swinging her like a mallet Um, it's, it's really weird looking and impossible. And it's like that nightmare dream logic put into the real world.
0: Yeah. And you're watching it from the perspective of the boyfriend. So you're seeing it with these eyes that have no idea what's going on. And this thing that is in front of you is impossible. And also your girlfriend is dying and you're completely helpless. Yeah. That is your perspective as the audience in that scene. Exactly. In this one, you're watching her being thrown around.
2: Yeah. And then she dies.
0: Yeah. And then it's over.
2: (laughs) I don't like the cold open in this movie as much as Friday the 13th, but I still think it's good. Um,
0: the color is really That's cool. what I was
2: going to say. Yeah, like those sequences where he's in the dream and like the open sign is flashing against, uh, I, I guess it's the hours in the window. There's just a red light and a green light flashing back and forth. And it's like you are getting so in the mood for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um I think his death is cool where he kind of like he cuts his, his own throat yeah, and, yeah oh, that's it's great brutal. it's brutal it looks good
0: and i think it's the right amount of shock for um the opening to the film unfortunately it doesn't live up to the hype it sets up but yeah. that tells you like yeah you think nightmare on elm street is this this fun dreamlike romp like but we're gonna kill some kids today <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: no they kill a bunch of kids but yeah it's just uh it doesn't get freddy And it tries to make Freddy different, but it totally doesn't. It it just misses the mark on it. Like, they want to make him something completely different, but then they want him to live up to the original. And then it's, the, the, the tones are really strange. Yeah. They really make a villain that we can't, like appreciate yeah. yeah
0: and that that's the thing too is that you, you can't please everyone so if you're gonna step away from something you have to go full step you have to just go for it and hope that the people that do appreciate it like get the decisions that you made yeah you want to try to make your own original thing and i think taking freddie to that dark place making him the pedophile and playing if freddie was this socially awkward quiet like creep mm-hmm and I say creep, like Freddy, early Freddy is a creep, but he's kind of like a fun, cool creep. If this Freddy was, yeah, like, like socially underdeveloped, I would have been so into that.
2: Yeah, it could have been like, uh, like was it Night of the Scarecrow, that TV movie where they they kill the the simple kid in town, and he comes back to kill them all as the scarecrow It would have been something like that, maybe. I mean, if they had a wiped the movie of all humor, or all attempts at humor, and chuckles, then our Freddy probably would have been a little better. And then maybe you know people would have complained that like, oh, this isn't a nightmare. On this isn't Freddy. Yeah, yeah. But, you would
0: have had that anyways. You have that now. But you would have
2: had a character that was true to himself from what you showed us in the movie. At yeah, least. it's unfortunate. Um, he's too big and powerful for what they're they're trying to make him to be in this. And you're right. Like I think a timid, awkward one would have been such a weird choice and something completely different that it would have felt fresh and new and not just. Um, like the, the looking glass version of the original, like this Mm -hmm. is just a weird mirroring that, that gets almost everything wrong.
0: Yeah. So um, unfortunately I'm going to go one out of four. I'm also giving
2: this a one out of four. Yeah.
0: And I, going into it, I thought I was going to be more two and a half, three even did not hold up for me.
2: Yeah. Like I, I was expecting To really defend this movie.
0: Yeah, I thought we were going to be like, oh man, this is going to be an unpopular episode. We have different opinions than everybody, but guys, we were wrong. You guys were right. This is not a great movie. Yeah. (laughs) We're so, so sorry. We
2: apologize.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let us know if if you like this movie, if you revisited it recently and you thought it was underrated tweeted us at nofs podcast or you can sound off in our facebook group that is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of nofs
1: we are controlling transmission Have a with a d-
2: this week's episode of nightmare on film street is brought to you by deadly grounds coffee to die for Made from 100% Arabica beans, Deadly Grounds is horror-themed gourmet coffee without any fancy names or titles. This week's blend is the caramel biscotti-flavored Toxic Toffee. It's Deadly Grounds' delicious house blend exposed to high levels of caffeinated radiation, a dash of caramel, and a pinch of toffee. We're just kidding about the radiation, by the way. But head over to getdeadly.ca right now to pick out your brew and get 15% off at checkout when you use the promo code NIGHTMARE. That's promo code NIGHTMARE at getdeadly.ca for 15% off your entire purchase. We're going to stick around for a little while and play a game that I've put together. Uh, I was originally going to call this Basements and Boiler Rooms. Uh, I like that. Yeah, but uh, I've taken a page out of our, our horror trivia nights at Deadly Grounds, and I'm calling this one Whose Lair Is It Anyway?
0: That sounds like it's going to be really fun. Um, You can hear that episode over on Patreon right now at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street in exchange for supporting the show. You're also going to get cool shout outs and merchandise and some other cool perks. So definitely check that out. Uh, Supporting the show really helps us each week with all of our overhead, running the website and all that stuff. And we are totally solely supported by you guys that listen out there. So thank you guys so much.
2: Yes, the show would be nothing without your support, and that goes to you as well, even if you are not a Patreon supporter. If you could take the time to give the show a five-star rating, recommend it to a friend that you think would enjoy the show, a fellow fiend, help us grow the horde that would be greatly appreciated.
1: Yeah,
0: even simple things like liking posts on social media and sharing and stuff. We we totally appreciate everybody that takes the time to help Nightmare on Film Street grow because this is above anything. It's a community and mm-hmm. it's a community space and we want it to be for everybody um, except for bad remakes. <laughs> I'm, kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding.
2: But that's it from us this week.
1: I'm John.
0: Um, Kim, stay, stay creepy. creepy.
1: It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Oh! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, More terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends.